Greetings. Welcome to In Conversation with Trevor podcast. I go beyond the headlines and beyond the sensational. Today I'm in conversation with Zimbabwe war veteran Margaret Dongo. Enjoy this thought-provoking conversation. Margaret Dongo, welcome to In Conversation with Trevor. Thank you very much for extending the invitation to me. Margaret, you got into Zimbabwean politics, opposition politics, at a time when people were terrified to get into, uh, to, to stand up to Robert Mugabe, to stand up to uh, ZANU-PF, to stand up to what appeared, Margaret, was um, one man, one party rule but you decided that you're going to stand up. Talk to me about the thought process of doing that. True, I did, but it was a very hard decision to make. I had no choice because there's something that I want to make it clear. You know, my love for the country, in terms of Margaret Dongo, the former liberation fighter. What comes first in my life is my country. So probably it's because of the experience that I got from a tender age. We're so, you know, during the armed struggle and after, that forced me actually to go into opposition politics. The idea was not to destroy the country, but the idea was to you know, continue, you know, fight for the ideals of the liberation struggle. And, you know, being opposition does not necessarily mean that you are opposite. The issue is to create an environment to criticize the status quo, to make sure that things are moving well. But in our politics, it's not well understood. Mm. It's very, very difficult. Talk to me, Margaret, about you saying it was not easy, it was difficult. What is it that, what is it that you saw that you disagreed with so strongly that you thought, I'm going to walk away from ZANU-PF and start something new? You know, the major question was that people had actually forgotten the reason why we went to war. Wow. And people had started to relax in everything, yes. We got the political power, but we didn't have the economic power. And uh, the mushrooming of corruption and other dubious methods actually was the one that, that was disturbing me most. And the times when I got into parliament myself, you know, it was so critical. That is the time when Zoom came up and things were not well in ZANU because some people were beginning to realize that we were taking the wrong path. Where in actual fact, we're actually moving towards the one-party state, which of course I know we didn't fight for that. We fought for democracy and we fought to allow everyone else to exercise his or her right. But then that alone was actually polluting the party. So I thought I would help to fight within, but I was not well understood. I remember the very time when I was elected to be a member of parliament, 
when I got in parliament, I was very open to them to say, yes, I'm under the ticket of ZANU-PF. But having been elected by the majority, even those who didn't elect me require my representation. So I am going to be a representative on Dandendindondu to cover up for my constituency. That statement didn't augur well with the party. Because when you're a member of the party, there are set rules that you're supposed to follow. But for me, I thought to some extent they retired democracy. And I think other people have the, you know, have the opportunity to be heard. And that's why we go to four elections anyway. And when you become a leader in parliament, I think this is what I want other parliamentarians to learn. Mm. When you become a member of parliament, you are almost a national leader. You are there to debate national issues. And you should view all issues discussed in parliament on national level, irregardless of the party that you represent. Whereas for women, women, you become a one entity. Mm. Whatever issues that you are going to discuss about women, it's irregardless of political affiliation, you just have to be one. You just have to, to agree to the positive side that, that mm. you know, change the lives of women. So you're saying you thought you could affect change within ZANU-PF, but that was not possible. Talk to me about that. What, what, what were you pushing up against and what kind of pushback did you get? True, I thought I could make changes within ZANU-PF, starting from the Central Committee. Don't forget I was the youngest member of Central Committee yes. of the ruling party. Yes. And it was not easy for me to be approved as a member of Central Committee. Because there was always this, this, you know, thinking that, you know, Margaret is a controversial person, she's too critical, she can't be part of us. You know, you remind me, because the first day I sat in the Central Committee, one one nationalist big chef was... How old were you? How old were you when you sat to the Central Committee? Do you I, was, I was in my 20s. 20s. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. I remember the first day I was asked to save tea. <laughs> and I said... How on earth? I'm a member of Central Committee and I'm not supposed to be serving tea. Ushers are there to be serving tea. And someone says, you see, she's very arrogant. And I don't know what they expected of me. You see, and maybe that's the arrogance that they didn't want. They wanted me to be a yes person, which I wasn't in any case. I was a person who thought, hey, look, having gone, having gone to war, I liberated myself politically, socially. So it helped me build my confidence. You see? So I am a person who knew what I fought for. I didn't fought, fight to be subservient to an individual. I fought as a fighter to help change the situation in the country. So that's the, that's the role so I So in, interesting that you've gone to war, we'll talk about that, you've gone to war, you've liberated yourself socially and, and politically. politically. Your thinking is different. But this, this senior uh, Central Committee member clearly has not changed because this person still sees you as a young girl, 20 years old, you shall serve us tea. Talk to me about that difference. You know, it's something that is painful. 
for someone to think that you know always you know this is why we are in this predicament mm. you know there's very little respect for youth mm. even the youth will try to stand up within their own political parties they are regarded as minors mm. you never grow and that's the mentality that my party and women too yes that's the mentality that my party had. i remember even in the central committee it was so difficult for me even to make contribution i'm one day you know when i tried to raise my hand there was a controversial issue and the president was kept on ignoring me ignoring me until you know i was very close to the first lady i will talk to you about it mm. you know she was my mentor until she realized it and she wrote a note to me that is Sal salim, salim Gabi. Yeah. she gave her secretary to pass it on to me i opened it and she said keep on raising your hand to embarrass him wow. he'll give you a platform wow imagine that's from sally you know she was pro women i liked it she's the one who mentored me to be where i am today so the moment i got the 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 note i raised up my hand and i kept on raising it and pop looked at me and said but what the hell on earth what is she doing someone is speaking and she's raising up her hand and i kept on raising i just ignored him and he said oh I noticed that your hand is up you're going to be the next speaker couldn't believe it and I was so emotional when I was given my chance Trevor believe it or not I said to him I'm surprised that you still call me a youth but when I crossed the border there was no one at the border when I crossed to go to Mozambique there was no one at the border to tell me that I was still young I should go back to school you accommodated me without looking into my age suffered the matekenya went through the military training you were in overseas you were in london uk or america studying and we were languishing in abject poverty today you are calling me a youth you are calling me a, a, a youth do you want me to go to the national archives when you people are no more to find out how you destroyed or built the, this country. Hmm. What did wow. he say? Wow, there was Musipa. And you Cephas. know, Cephas. Cephas was... Gentleman. Yes, and a neutral person. And he says, oh, Mr. President, this issue of Margaret, I think let's let it rest. Because otherwise it will create commotion. Because Immediately after I had spoken, Ruth came out. You know Ruth Chenamani. Yes. Firebrand. She would be echoing, <laughs> tell them my daughter, tell them my daughter, tell them. They've done that. I've stayed in solitary confinement for 11 years. I've suffered. Make it. You know what Ruth does, did. You know, she was sort of, she was a character. You know, it, you make me miss that era, the era of same. you. Ruth Chinamano and 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 and, men, and many others. Um, allow me, um, Margaret, to take you back to when you were fifteen years old. You decided to cross the border to go and join <coughs> the liberation struggle. I want to understand what is it that made you do that at fifteen years old. Share with us your your state of mind. What is this that drove you at that tender age to, to go and join the war? Probably, you know, Trevor, I grew up in a ghetto in Highfield. 
and the type of life I grew up in is, you know, in a ghetto. And my family was highly political. My father is, was now is late from Chipinga. And my mother was from Tsonzo, is from, from Vumbunu. And when I, you know, they were highly political. My father went to school within the Banning story and in Dangane at Chikore Mission. So they would mingle together all the time. And the, the other Ndawus who were actually living in high fields and people from other, you know, tribes and so forth. You know, they used to have meetings, those private meetings at our house, political meetings. Every evening they come from work. So what I used to do in I we the moment they come for their meetings as you, as kids, you know what used to happen. Mm. Get into your bedroom, go and sleep. You you are told to sleep before you even want to sleep. So we get into our bedroom and they started discussing and I'm very inquisitive. I'm listening to say what is happening in that room. And they start talk about their stories of what happened to, you know, at their workplace, how one was harassed by the wives, how he was kicked or slapped, or how he was told to carry the, the you know, the white baby to, you know, to town and refused and ended up being beaten. And, you know, they would say their experience day in, day out. And I'm listening. Each time they had meetings, it never failed. Mm. You know, the SB was very clever and the, it was special branch. the special branch mm. and the sources. So what would happen, Trevor, every evening, each time they had their meetings, the police, the, 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 the SB the would come, would pitch up and they would use the kitchen door. They would just break the kitchen door and they are in and get into my father's bedroom, pull him out and put him in this jeep. And they go to busy wow. police station. Wow. So I knew very well each time he's arrested, my mother would say very early at six o'clock, can you take the tea to busy? And then I would start crying and say, why me all the time? I mean, why you should, you know, father do that all the time? You know, I have to get the tea before I go to school. You know, it was not easy. So I get your my... your contribution as a child to the liberation yes. struggle. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the tea to yeah. the Tumbisi, and then he's standing on the fence waiting for the tea, and I give him the flask of tea and so forth. And one day it was in June; it was so cold, and I was late. I couldn't even pick my shoes, and I went barefooted, and I was crying, you know, from Machipi, from my Egypt lines to Mbizi police station. When I got there, I said, but dad, next time, make sure you are not in here again. Because each time I go back, I'm late at school. I went to school to Nyandoro Primary School. And the teacher chaka beats me every time. Wow, I get late. In, because I come, each time I come late, he beats me. And I just left and I went home. And I think my father felt bad. I, I could watch him look at me when I was going back. So I grew up in that environment. And come next, what happened is uh, my father took me to a boarding school All right. in Rusape Tricell Mission. That's where what motivated me now to say, I am going to join the liberation struggle. There we met the displaced children from Tanguena village. Mm -hmm. And they came to the mission school where they were taken care of. And we, as you know, young students from different, you know, walks of life were told to 
look after them and give them, you know, all the support and so forth. You know, they used to tell us stories of how they were, they lived in the mountains, how they were removed from their fatal land, mm. and how they, you know, it was so touching. It was so touching. I remember very well. You know, it was a group of young girls, and they were telling about their experience at Tanguena village. And I said to myself, okay, I think when I grow up, I'm going to see what I will do. <laughs> and then later on, when I was at my secondary, then I also went to a school, which is, first of all, I was at St. Patrick's, from St. Patrick's Castle and Secondary School in Tema. That was near Chipinga. That's where the war started. Mm. And that's where I went to school. And then that's where I began to see the real part of life. And, you know, together with the other girls who came from the neighborhood in Chipinga, they used to tell us, you know, their experience with the wines of Anamkoma, the terrorists, mm. <laughs> they called us, you know. And they used to tell us, you know, when they used to go for these bases, you know, political orientation during at night and so forth. Then I said to myself, oh, my God, now I got a chance. So when I went home on holiday, mm -hmm. came back to Harare, I said to my mom one day, we, you know, my mom used to do that streaming, plowing, you know. Yeah. Okay. So when we went to one of our fields where there is now tobacco auction floor, I said to her, but mother, I think this is the last time for you to see me. Mm. And she said, what do you mean? And I said, ah, no, mama. And she didn't believe that. She was shocked. She couldn't believe it. She said, please, if you want to go and join your other terrorists, make sure you don't do it. You are going to die. Mm. Then I said, no, I'm not going to join them, but I'm just saying to you, make sure you're not going to see me next time. But let me tell you, my experience was very bad. There was no reason that I would not stop joining the liberation mm. struggle. You know, my mom was doing streaming, plowing. Cultivation. Cultivation. Yeah. And then when we, when one day she was nine months pregnant, and she, imagine, she used to wake up, wake us up at 4 a.m. to go and do the cultivating, cultivation. And then we come at 7 o'clock when the municipal police are still you know, preparing to come in, you know, because they used to guard the places. One day, she knew very well that she was about to give birth, and she wanted to make sure that she finishes, she finished a certain portion. So she was in the, we were together in the field until later, half past seven. Then I said, Mommy, it's getting late, the police, you know, the municipal police are coming. Let's go home. And she said, Ah, oh, no, let me finish. I want to finish here. And then all of a sudden, we raised up our heads and we saw they were almost near. And then I took my hoe and I started running away. And my mother, by that time when she was trying to take a hole, she tried to run away and she fell oh, down. Yeah. And I cried. I couldn't believe it. And I was so young and she was nine months pregnant. pregnant. And I felt she was about to give birth. I had to wait for it. I said, whatever is going to happen, they were getting closer, and they even got closer. I touched my mother's hand, 
and you know she was limping until we got home and when we got home straight away she went and she delivered a baby girl Dorothy our last born Dorothy Mtetwa and that was in my mind and I said have a look for how long can mm. we go like this but imagine I was still in my tender age for how long can we go like this so coupled with that all those things yes that's that's what motivated me to go to to, to the liberation struggle the issue of the tangwena village girls mm. and the issue of how we lived in highfields do you know we used to walk from highfields to go to kambuzuma garden party oh. to just watch a film show yanatik <laughs> <laughs> The conditions at home, um, the police coming in, knocking down the door, and you have experienced these people that have been displaced, those are the factors that co cause you to cross the border. Talk to us as, as briefly as you may, how you get to do that, with who, and, and how the journey is like. The journey was tough. It was an uphill struggle. And also... To make the final decision to, to, leave. to leave was not easy. Because that's the time when about uh, we, 200 people, students, had left our school. And our school was heavily guarded. There were patrols after every hour. You know, because there was this fear that, you know, another group would go. So... What we had to do was to do a thorough study to make sure that we don't make a mistake on the intervals of their movements so that we will be able to sneak out, which was not very easy. But we realized that as time went on, at first it was tense, especially after when the 200 left. And after a month, you know, the soldiers were beginning to relax. They used to come through our windows to check whether we were all sleeping. It was so fearful. And uh, after some time, instead of moving after every 30 minutes, they extended to an hour. And they ended up also sleeping for almost three, four hours without, you know, making their patrols. So we noticed that for almost a weekend. We said, okay. If we use this time to escape, I think we'll be able to make it. So lucky, fortunate enough, it was raining. And which means the environment was good for us. So we were four girls. Irene Mdekunye, myself, Betty Gabas, and the other lady, I forget. And we decided to go. We just took our, you know, what we call the, those backpacks and, and, and a few clothes because my one of my friend Betty Gabas had lived in Chiping and had stayed with comrades and they'd got a little bit of training in terms of how to, you know, if ever they had an attack, how do they ex escape that attack? So when we were, actually there's a river, Tanganda River, in, 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 in you know, in, at Kassaland, where we cross before we get to the main third road. 
So when we were crossing Betty says, no, 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 we are not going to use the main road. What we are going to do, we are going to cross through the river. We are all going to swim. And I said, but why? It's very cold. How can we swim at night? <laughs> and she says, no, if you go through the road, the dogs can follow our spore. They were taught all this. So the only way we can do is to cross through the middle of the river. We have to swim, like it or not, let's throw our bag. So we swimmed, we went through the, the, the river and we crossed the river. We walked from, from our school to Tangana. That's about more than 200, I think almost kilometers. We walked, it was not a joke, and we were very young. You know, my chest was flat. I was an innocent baby. 15 years old. 15 years old, a very innocent baby. All of us, our chests were flat, and it was, we were like school kids. And imagine we're coming from primary to secondary. I was doing my form too. And we walked until we got to Zona T Estate. When we got to Mount Slender, there was my sister. All of a sudden, I don't know how she pitched up and she could tell to say something wrong. There's something happening. These girls are crossing the border. And she found me. Then she says, but Maggie, where are you going? Mm -hmm. Don't go there. There's some people who were killed last night. There are soldiers patrolling in the, in the borderline. And I said, but you know, Trevor, there's something that I'm going to tell you. Believe it or not. That strength. You don't even think of anything or your life or whatever. So, when my sister came, I was so harsh, it was not myself. I'm going to fight for my country. If you don't want, if you want, join us. If you don't want, just get out. Then we walked through. We go to the Zona T state, but a Sangana Nima Sojaya. Get, get, Murpi and Epi. Tkatita Zimwach Kor. Tukyok Zukaya T. Yes, Utiti, but a rescue fees. From noise, you know, go weir. And they believed us. Because Mumudamachuma Magazara, and now got Chichikaya T. They believed us. But I'm busy. I'm a big edu. But in the mingle muti momo, do but I think I go tame out picking tea. Picking tea. Could you see? So they moved away. The moment they moved, it's just about to continue. Nechi nechi edu. We walked the whole night, and we were so hungry. Chingo chata china chochanga chapera. Makumbo anga azimba, you know when you walk, maoko anga azimba, makumbo azimba. Saka amaniru, you know what we could see was a light. Panekamu kamba so. Papa, kwa paripa sangu. At least follow that light. Unasa kwa wanadiku, we never knew. Even if we were going to go in the hands of soldiers. Nangu tango da light, yore kuti, tuone tuone chikafu. Lucky enough, when we got there, there was this old woman. And she says to us, Mozambique. 
meaning we are going to get guns for us to come and fight. Because Nambuya, Panevan Vaka, Musa and the Pitukai Kani, Mbuya and Vote, Chipping the Mpam Gwanga Kitchen, Chipping the Mbanga Chikaroi Gawanovi Songa Wakaenda, Chipping the Mumatsu, the Vatapinta Mukishin Muyamia, Wangochizia Mutupapa in the Mananga, Wanga Bika, the Portra Mananga is Gansijka Manang, the Vatajka Mananga, the Pesoja Mananga, Wanga in Imperial, the Voti so Voti Varam Bomia Tissi. What if I remember me, miss? It is a midnight. Tons of woods go for all the woods go farm back. Tikatuna bit gabas of wood woods rangu farm bomb sorrows, cousin a bit in a new. Tikatasakachi. Tons go to watch what wakons. To Vatambora. Tikat got a wood. Sakapa in this small window, not to my window, my hats, you know, they are our hats. So we started pushing each other through that window. Trace it before. On Tabuda, we started crawling. Betty knew how to. She had taught us that when we get to the situation, I got to the, she, we started crawling. So you're running away without this woman aware that you're running away? No, yeah, because we thought she would take us back. That time, for help. could take these kids back to school. Unfortunately, we heard sounds. Then we all fell down on prone position. Trevor, mm. you won't believe this. In any way, not believe in When we sleep, when we fell down, we all fell asleep. Kurala with a flat. Until kuma two kwatu yeza kuma 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 five kwa kutu yeza shiri zaguti ndo patruku sumuka ta sumuka suva tatuona kutita kuduze ne kuboda kubusupunga baira but then we had to climb ma mountains kutitisiko koko apa anga pura ya angari papatrua ya angari masoja saka we spend the whole day to get to Spunga Bear. When we got to Spunga Bear, we were very unfortunate because we were seen as if Tata Tuma. Oh. Because Papa and Vaguita fight yes. between Makamara and Danichi. Yes, forces. they said, but how did you manage to we escape? Canal? How did you manage to pass through? And so, what did they, they do to you? Ah, they harassed us. Mm -hmm. Do you know they go to even to a stage where I, I, they to ask their lady soldiers because they thought comrades, you see. So you ma imagine we're still mm. young. I, was, I told you to our chests were plain, <laughs> we're very innocent and we didn't know anything. Mm. So now you've crossed. You are in the camps. Talk to me about the training it's, itself. What do, what do you go through? Because you you started off in um, what what is this? You started off in um, Chimoy, nineteen seventy five. You started off in mm. Chimoy, and then you went to um, uh, receive mil military training. You ended up being uh, uh, trained as a medical as mm. assistant. Talk mm. to me about that that training there. How was it um, in being in the camps there? 
Very interesting. I was I was military. Got my military training when I was still very young, and Vivian Mashita was yeah. one of my trainers. You know, she was so close, and she was one of my trainers. I got my military training. What was involved in involved in military training was before even military training, you'd go through political orientation mm-hmm. for you to understand why are you going into this military training? Why do we need to carry arms to go and fight? You know, the Rhodesian forces. So you go through that, you know, political orientation, and then. Later on, you go through the military military training, which involved, you know, a lot of drills, you know, gun handling and so forth. I remember very well, you know, you used to run more than 12 kilometers at times in the morning. When you're coming, when you're starting the journey in the morning, you'll be saying, toi, toi, yekuseni, yewerere, inodawakagwinya, baya, baya. When you're coming back, you say, toi, toi, yeah. You don't even, you don't even have the voice and you know it it, it was not easy. Tell me it was not easy. At that particular do you, did you have any moments of regretting why did I come? Let me go back. Talk I, to me about that. I never regretted. It's okay. funny at my age. I never had a regret. Even uh, as tough as it was. As tough as it was. Because the experience that I had had from when, you know, before I came. And what made me to decide to leave, probably, that's what built my strength. Mm. I never regretted. All I wanted, I thought it was too late. I should receive a military training and start to carry out my Mm. duties. I never regretted. I want Mm. to be honest with you. And then you train. Why did you decide to train as a medical assistant? Was that your choice or... It wasn't uh, my. It was. It wasn't my choice. It was a decision by the commanders, because the you know they took the young generation, especially those that were coming from school. I remember it was myself, Atsari, uh, Dignit. You know she's still alive. Some Alet, who went for that training, and who were trained by. Um, you know he was a Zapkeda. Um. Medical, medical guy. Yeah, uh-huh. um, I think you know him. Yes, yes, I'm He was in the army, yes, yes. dark, and yeah. you know, mm. uh-huh. he, he's the one who trained us. I used to do, I don't know, I have just forgotten. It's all right. I know okay. the name will come mm. pitch up. So he's the one who trained us as, as medical assistants. Why? Because they also, you know, we needed much of them, especially mm. in the forefront and in the base, in the rear base. We had a clinic in the in the, in, in Chimoy, which was called So all the victims in the field would, would, come, back for treatment. would come back for yeah. treatment. Trevor, some would come handling their intestines in the hands. Some would come with the, the rotten, broken head, you know, legs. Some would... You know, it's it's horrible. When I look at the situation right now and how the comrades are being treated, it pains me. I want to be honest with you. It pains me. It pains me. You know, you could find someone with a rotten leg. You, you know, caterpillars, actually. You clean it. You, you switch it. You do everything. You know, comrades suffered mm. and we didn't have all the medication that was required comrades suffered and 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 you 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 are angry when you see the way they are treated what about these that pretend that they are comrades i mean 
Is it not ridiculous that in 2022, we have uh, the number of people that claim to be comrades uh, larger than what we had in, 19, in 1980? What does that do to you? That is done for financial benefits. And it's, 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 uh, it's betraying. It's so betrayal. Yes, it doesn't mean to say if you play the role, you know, we can't say it's only the war veterans who liberated this country. Everyone of us played the role. But we don't pretend that but we're you war don't, veterans. But you don't have to pretend that you're war veteran. It's such a disappointing Point issue. But that, that's another thing. What about the party itself allowing these people to pretend and use them that they were as war veterans? For, for somebody like you, you're describing this pain of seeing these people coming holding their, their intestines. And you have somebody riding on that pain for financial benefit. It's a sad story that's very difficult to narrate. And I never thought one day this is what our leaders would do to us. It's a very, very sad story. I never thought. You know, to make matters worse, the few that are on the echelons of power, they never experienced this life that we had in the camps. Never, ever. Some passed through. Some never, you know, used to visit. They came as visitors, announcing their policies or talking about their programs. But they were never, you know, I'm, I'm now, I get sensitive. I'm almost shivering when I get to this. I get sensitive because you've taken my memory back and I'm seeing a picture of what we went through. And I'm also comparing that picture with what the living comrades are going through. It's painful and it's touching. And a picture of those that never went to war. Were that riding, are enjoying were the food, uh, seven Mercedes Benz and, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of stuff. This cannot be fair. It cannot be fair, but I, I'm always, you know, I'm a, a faith believer. I'm a Christian, I'm a faith believer. I feel that one day they'll get what they deserve. Never mind how comfortable they are. Never mind how, what luxurious life they have. One day, it's like a person who kill, who kills. One day you confess before you go down. It will come up with God you. says revenge is not yours. Yes, revenge is yes, mine. yes, yes, yes. Were you deployed to the to the front to fight, or you you remained in the bases? Much of it because I was trained as a nurse. Yeah, I actually went around the bases. I stayed. You noticed that I stayed in a number of bases. Yes. When we had a problem in, in 1977, uh, during the detente, after the detente, in fact, the Flerimo never wanted any military people to stay in their camps. But because we were young, and uh, we were young, and they couldn't tell that we were military trained. So the party took an advantage of our we, us being young and we used to be deployed. I remember very well, I we went to Doroy, the four of us, there were more than 6,000, you know, people at that camp and were responsible for the health sector. They 
few of us young girls. And from Dorei, again, we moved to Tembre, Tete Province. Mm. From Tete Province, we moved. You know, I used to move from place to place until such time when we had been, because I was also stubborn. I was not just mad. <laughs> so Robert, was, was, Robert not, was right that was stubborn. <laughs> I, was, I was a bit naughty because yeah. I, was, I was very young, but short and bully. I don't know what, whether it happens short people only. I was sort of a person who would want to feel that, you know, I'm there and I can also defend myself. And it's not, it didn't only start in parliament, even during the war, people would tell, this is my, this is comrade teacher. I'm not a, I was not a yes person. You'd have to convince me to do something. Comrade teacher on yes. who, who gave you that name? Well, it, I, it was my choice because when, when we crossed the border, yeah. In fact, what happened is the first thing we'll be told is to change your name. Change your name. So when I saw the environment, the environment that I saw at the first camp that we got to Chujibawawa, where even my captain, the former captain of my school, he didn't have fingers in, in his toes. They'd been, you know, it, 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 by Marte Kenya, you Chow. know, those jika fleas. And he was dressed in a, you know, in say, those millimil bags, tattered, you know, he had sewn them into a trouser and the other one was a, like a jacket and he was covered with, the, you know, like a person who is, you know what, they mentally disturbed mm. people doing. Then I said, I couldn't believe when I saw him, I said, Mukoma King. And he said, no, 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 don't say that. The moment you say that, then we are in trouble. I've got a, a, a Chimurenga name. So he gave me his Chimurenga name. And he said to me, why did you come? And I said, but you didn't write letters to us to tell us to say don't come. You should have written to us to say things are not well. She says, how, how could we write? So you should have written letters to tell us that things are not well. Your name, Tichaona Muondo. Tell us what it meant. The reason I gave myself the name Tichaona Muondo is after I've I'd seen the environment that was surrounding me. It was a war situation for for forever, and I said to myself, "If I have to survive this, I have to accept it." I have to accept the type of life I'm getting into. The only way is to accept that Tichaona Muondo. Muondo yacho, Tichaona Nanaya. That's how I gave that name. Very powerful name. Let's go to a place that's problematic. A lot of um, young women who participated in the, in the, in the war, uh, who were in the camps, talk about the abuse what what was what what did you see what was your experience trevor there are stories that are never that have never been told the truth has never been told about the history of the liberation struggle vis-a-vis women it has never been told and i am hoping one day we will have some people who will be bold enough to stand up 
and talk about it or even the writing. But it's a pity that very little is going to come out from the women themselves because they've been marginalized intentionally to make sure that they are not able, some of them, to speak for themselves. True, mm-hmm. women have been abused. Some women ended up with babies, not because they wanted to be babies, to have the babies, but they were raped. So women lived under a terrible environment. You know, we have, used to have a camp where if you get pregnant, that's where you get dumped. It was called Osibisa. Mm. And if there are any attacks, one thing you know, you have to have your baby, sure. your gun, your, to run away. And in terms of feeding, there was no special feed for those kids. Those women suffered. Whenever they got feeds, yes, here and there, but not always. You know, some people were abused by the chefs themselves. You know, they could have more than three, four girlfriends. When he comes from Maputo, he says, okay, go and find a girl for me from the camp. And, you know, we used to have female camp commanders. They would ring the whistle, call women at a parade, just looking for a girl, for a chef to go back to bed. So you are paraded. You are paraded. Not because they want all of you, because they know one. And the, normally those who knew that they can be victims, they used to run away. And the way I'm talking, I think if my friends listen to that, they will remember the days when they did the same, they ran away. And they remember the day when it also happened to them. So it, it was not in agreement for those that would have whatever sex or whatever. Because you are in the struggle. There is no choice. But now that the struggle is over, what do you think should be done? I mean, this story has not been told, like you are saying. It should be told. And, you know, I wish we had an opportunity. I was saying to some, some, some people that, you know, though for those that are still alive who broke the virginity of other you know, girls without their consent, they should be sued because they are still alive. They should be sued. But I know that language would not ogre well with the Cesano PF per se because... So, <laughs> see, here's, here's the thing, and, and, tell, and push back as much as you want. I believe that there's a lot of things, Margaret, that happened in the war that we have not come to terms with. There's a lot of things that happened in the camps in Maputo, in, uh, in, mm. in, in Mozambique, Chimoy, mm. in Zambia. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of bad things that happened in the execution of the, of the strike. We have not spoken about those things. And I believe that until we exercise that ghost uh, of Kukuraundi uh, and all these other things, we'll continue being where we are. This anger, this toxicity. Well, what's your view on that? I totally agree with you. Have a look. Our kids have to know the truth. They have to have the history of happened what of what happened to be where we are today. Mm. They will begin to have respect for us. They need to know. This need to be spelled out. 
everything that you happened. Do you think it will get to that point where the story will be told? I thought with the coming up of the war veterans, what do we call it, the one, the archives. The, the, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah. I thought probably they would use that opportunity to try and gather all this information. But I think there's a bit of resistance from the young fighters because of the way they've handled them. Even today, do you know that um, they seem to be dodging them? They don't want to address their problems. They want to address their problems in a different way, the way they like, but they don't take, to take into consideration what you've been talking about. Their experiences during the war and their experience after the war and where they are today. They don't look into that. But the issue is, you know, the problem that we have, Trevor, is that we have put power before the people too much to the extent that we've even forgotten where we came from. We forget that. And we forget that life is, you know, it is the world that continues, but human beings perish. Saka, we are forgetting that, no, whatever we do, it remains. And we forget that the same people, and they talk to people nicely when you are going up, for you meet the same people when you are going down. Watch the space. We are towards the elections. There will be a lot of good things talked about, comrades. There will be a lot of good things talked about, war veterans. But in real fact, these people are living in abject poverty. The real war veterans. The real war veterans are living in abject poverty. But come towards the elections, there will be a lot of good things talked about them, but talking about somebody who is dying, somebody who is suffering doesn't make any sense. Anyway. So you come back uh, from the war and um, you go to uh, Manyame Air Base uh, and then you, you, you work in, in charge of uh, uh, ZANU-PF uh, uh, Secretary for Women's Affairs and you work in the president's office, and eventually you get into politics. You are, you are elected as a, as a member, member of parliament. parliament. Was that your own wish, or you were deployed by the party? No, let me, let me clarify that. It's not Manyame Base, but it's, it's ZANU PF 88. You know, ah, we used to have offices yes, in 88 yes. Manika Road, yes. After the liberation, I had come from the liberation struggle. You know, Salim Gabi sponsored yes. us to go to Polytechnic. And I did some secretarial courses, and that's the same time I was working in the women's Talk affairs. Talk to me about the role that Sally played with you in terms of mentoring you, you personally. What was your experience of Sally? She did build my life. She made me to be what I am. In fact, she's the one who discovered the strength that I had. She's the one who discovered, you know, this. I can say she knew that this this lady has got, you know, the willpower and also the strength to be able to move mountains. You know, I didn't know because when I was working with her, we used to go for political rallies with her. It was her, my Munyati. Maita Kawira, you know, the, the yeah. old lady, you remember yes, them very well. Yes, yeah, the team, they are late, they are so rest in, in eternal peace. 
So they used to go for rallies with the Mahofas and so forth. And each time I would go with them and I would take notes. And when we come back, which is something that has never been happening, after some time then I would go in, we remind the first lady to say, do you remember when we went to Bindura? You promised this, this and that. If we are to go back, please don't forget to address that. Wow. So they were shocked to say, this young lady, how can she, even, you know, my takawira, my mnyati and so forth. So each time they would go out, they would want to go with me. But for me, it was again a learning process. So you see how I was groomed. Yes. It, it was about walking the talk with the politicians. So at a later stage, you know, she realized that she built confidence in me. And she said, Margaret, have you noticed that female combatants are suffering a lot? Very little has been done to improve the lives of comrades. What can you do, Margaret? And I said, let me try to put a few together. It's true because there are some who come from Chitunguiza barefooted, is coming to as far as Central, you know, I used to say we work at Central Police Station when I was in, working in the President's Department. So she says to me, do something, Margaret, what can you do? Then I said, let me start to come up with an, an association where we can try to go, regroup and see how we can help each other. So I came up with this female ex-combatant association. And then it was ca just cutting the middle because they said, oh, oh, you know, like she wants to influence Wow. These people who are so somehow, you know, we infiltrated and things were not well, we just abandoned it. And she says, So, what are you going to do? You need to bring these comrades together and see what you can do. Then I said, What else can we do? She says, Think about something. Then that's when we thought about the War Veterans Association. Our first day of that meeting, there was Shonua, there was the late Manyowe, Mayowe, who was the ambassador in yeah. Mozambique, there was Marco Verem, there was Brigadier Tambara. We managed to round them up and we had a meeting. I remember it was at Parkland. We didn't know that there was one CIO who taped us. And we, you know, with all the emotions we had, one after another would say all the rubbish things. But you, that's, what was not rubbish? You were talking your mind. Uh, uh -huh. talking uh, your mind. You know, I can't say, yeah, pardon me for saying yeah. rubbish, because we were saying our peace of mind. So said every experience that they had, the tip was taken to the minister. That time it was Sikramai. Minister of State. Uh, he listened to it. My God, it was something else. To cut the story short, I remember, I'm just cutting the story yeah. short. I remember I was called, and Mutandi was, was the, the, the DG, or he was the assistant. So they called me, they said, they played the tape. They said to me, what are you trying to do? And I said, Comrade Minister, what is it that I've done which is wrong? This meeting, what were you saying? You were <laughs> criticizing all my chefs and everything. Who are you? 
Then I remember the last words I said to him was he asked me to go and to ask him to go and ask him Tandy to play the tape for me. He did play the tape and I confirmed yes, I was there. I and I did say that. And we want to form our veterans association so that we come together, we fight as one. I repeated that. And I remember saying to the minister, Comrade Minister, it will come the time when the true revolutionaries will take their place. And I walked out. Just like that, I walked out. I was moved from my station where I used to work. Trevor, I went... In the, in the president's office. Uh, Trevor, I went through a terrible time. I was given a, a tiny office which was in the same floor with the minister so that people would see my movements. My duty was to look at COVID and COVID. Looking at your newspapers again. <laughs> <laughs> that was my duty. To look at the newspaper, identify what, and be able to feature the story which, which, which can actually develop to be something else or which can cause harm. Well, were you an agent then, Central Intelligence Agency at, uh, at that time? Yes, at that time I was working for CIO. So I was, that's, to me it was a torture, honestly, I was a field officer to come in, just look at your new, every newspaper and identify with what I, so that was my work. And what used to happen is, in that process, I don't know where I got the intelligence and the way I got, you know, to be what I was. I decided to say, okay. Now I need to move out. I need to find a strategy. And this is the time when Sally had said to me, come up with this association. And she said she was going to sponsor it. Of course, we worked hard. We put comrades with You know, I went as far as much north. I went through the whole country, putting the whole veterans together. Those who used to be called dissidents, it's an interesting part, those who used to be called dissidents and so forth, they came up and worked together, we got structures. It shocked them to the extent that the same system which was monitoring this, I don't know where they got wrong. I know, but they don't know where they got wrong. Tell me, once a CIO, do they let you go out? You go out. Are you yes. Free? yes, you are free. You can resign. Yeah, you mean CIO? you can resign it just like be those in CIA, just like in those in With MID. You know? Yes, 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 but you just sign a secret act. It's, okay. it's up to you to yes. Okay. That's it. It's just like, have a look. Take CIO as any intelligent organization in the world. You have your life. In actual fact, some are even comfortable to actually employ a person like that because they say this yeah, person yeah. is well vested yeah, in many things, yeah. can be a good advisor. So you join the you 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 contest the election after having been a member of parliament, and uh, you lose the election. You decide to go to parliament, uh, sorry, to court mm -hmm. to contest the election. Um, something that was never done. Say you that were the again. First person to Say go to that court again. To contest what was rigging mm. in your constituency. Talk to me as briefly as you can. I mean, we we, we can spend the true, whole day. True, here, true, true, true. So that I can. need to talk about. It. That yeah. has never been done, and I'm the first woman to do that. And I'm the first independent woman in parliament in an independent Zimbabwe, and the first to be in opposition in a constituency of Harare. So I need to talk yes. about it. And the elections have never been challenged and won. You did. Even though elections are rigged. 
True, there's rigging in elections, but I did challenge the rigging and in fact, successfully. Do you challenge it because you knew? As a, as a central intelligence officer, that this is the stuff that was done, or this is where you signed the confidentiality, not going to talk about this. Talk to me about it. From my experience, <laughs> from my ex elections, I knew the elections are rigged. Okay. Do you know the latest chair played a very big role in terms of actually trying to shape up and to trying to make people understand how elections are rigged. When I lost my elections, the first person to give me a call was the late Jizamchia, even though he's from my home area. He said, don't accept the results, even though I knew I was not going to accept the result because I had got enough evidence that I'd, I am going to lose. In fact, before I even... fixed Yes, uh, before I even went for the counting, they just a lot called and they said, Margaret, don't expect any good new results. You are going to lose, but don't accept the results. And I started getting information through dead letter box, where I got list of names of people that had voted who were not supposed to be in my constituency, where I started getting information about people dead, people who had voted, where I got information about, you know, because my relationship, let me go back. You know, my relationship with people as a politician, Trevor, was different. You know, I was a people's person. And I'm sti I, I, I still am. Because I live with the people. I live the way they live. And I mingle with them at every moment. So I'm a person who everyone had their respect. So even the RIG's office, which was managing elections, helped to give me information. Every corner, even those that were sent to uh, to spot on me or to do surve uh, surveillance on me. No, they would tell me to say, Maggie, there's someone from Chinoy behind you this week. Or there's somebody from Mavuku who is going to be following you this week. Or don't do the meeting that you want to do. It's You know, I fell in love with the people of Zimbabwe. So much that I never had the problem. Even the petrol bombs that I would experience. At times, you know, they would say, no, no, don't go to this place. There's going, you know, there's going to be danger. You know, that's how intact I was. You know, that's the difference between Maggie as a politician and the other individuals that are coming in as celebrities and becoming, you know, presidents of political parties. Or leaders or political you, parties. You lived with the people. I lived with the people. And well, I experienced <laughs> you as a young reporter. Mm -hmm. um, I, I, uh, and and uh, you were down to earth. You were in my office a number of times. Mm -hmm. uh, so you, you were user friendly. You were not arrogant. Uh, you were down to earth. You were very, very informed. Um, so you, you, you win, you lose rather, and mm -hmm. you decide to contest. Mm -hmm. And you, you win uh, after, after uh, discovering. People who were dead were on the voters' mm -hmm. register and so forth. But you, may, you did something which had never been done. You stood in parliament, correct me if I'm wrong, and you said the war veterans, the Zanopia politicians that were not standing up to Robert Mgabe were Robert Mgabe's wives. That's what you said. Do you regret saying that? Uh, to some extent, because it's like I'm undermining the role of women, especially today.
But those days, I think it 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 did a lot of value. It carried weight. What did it mean? What what, what it, it meant carry? is that because you know in the in the eighties nineties, you know before we started fighting for our rights, you know women used to be looked down upon. You know there's you know women were like subservient, and women were treated you were like treated like you second class. But anyway, what I meant. When I said you are Mugabe's wives, is this Trevor? We used to have caucus first if there's a bill to be passed in parliament, and we would agree to disagree in that caucus and agree to to agree agree to compromise. And in this case, that day we had agreed to say we are not going to let the bill pass until certain sections were were changed. To my surprise, we are now in the chamber. We are debating it. We are. <laughs> We are also taking up our concerns. It comes to voting. Those who say yes, oh my God, ultimately say yes. I said, <laughs> you emotionally, you people, you guys, you are garbage wife. How can you all men say yes and yet you know this thing is wrong? We, we, are, are, we, agreed. we agreed and you are now saying yes. Why? And Rex was so furious. <laughs> How, how, how can you call me? I'm going to eat you. Then I was, I just held on to my... Rex Nongo. Rex Nongo, I hold, held on to my glass of water. And I said, you dare come closer to me. I'll punch you with this water glass. And there was row in the House of Assembly, noise everywhere, until, you know, people had to go out. Come the time I wanted to go home, I found Rex at my... In fact, the late Mavis Jidzonga came rushing into parliament. Don't ever come out. Rex says he's going to shoot you. He's standing at your car. Then I went to Mr. Speaker and I said, Mr. Speaker, I can't go home. I was shivering. I'm told Rex is waiting at my car. He wants to kill me. And Speaker had to ring the bells, call the guards and everyone else. And they had to find an escort for me to take me home. I felt like, like a president. No wonder why this president don't want to leave. You know, I was given a motorcade. <laughs> to drive me home. To drive me home. I never, you know, I don't know how many minutes I took to get to my place because there were sirens. Were you scared? I was scared of Rex. Rex yeah. No, that's not the issue. I ended up dramatizing the whole okay. thing. Even the next morning I said, Mr. Speaker, I wish you would permanently give me this. <laughs> then I would be happy <laughs> as usual. <laughs> Tell me, Margaret, with all this wealth of experience, uh, at 15 you go to the war, you see what you saw, you experience what you saw, women being abused and so forth. You were one of the last people to see uh, Togogara alive. True. When my put. And he'd, in fact, what we had done is, the, I told you that I used to be stubborn. I'd celebrated my birthday together with Tongokara's girlfriend. So we had, we were sharing the same birthday. And he came with presents for us. And just just after leaving those presents, that's when he took his trip to back to, 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 to the camps. He was coming from the Lancaster House, you know, um, meeting, the Lancaster meeting. And we were also shocked the very night to hear that he had the accident. What, what do you think, to 
Mboga would say about the state of our politics now? And what do you think about where this country is? First of all, what do you think Tangogara would say? It's a pity. I can't say exactly what he would say, but he would be dis disappointed. Because if you look at his shorts when he speaks, he's, he's sort of a person who was impartial. He would say, what I want, I want a free Zimbabwe with black and white people mingling together, together, living together and so forth. That's the type of Tongogara that you are talking about. Talking about where the country is today, between me and you, let's be honest enough. 34 years or more than 30 years had gone, uh, gone down the drain. If what is happening today, which is only three years, had been done in 40 years, would we not be in a Dubai? Between me, you know, to be on, to be on, even if the, their development is going in the wrong direction, because on the other hand, with the poor people, it's also a mapata, but we're not happy yeah. because we are not benefiting anything from it. So if the little developments that have been done, if they had been done in the last 40 years, do you think would have remained where we are? I will tell you the Beatrice Road, we spoke about it in 1990 when I was pregnant for my mm, second born. You know, he now has two degrees. He has three, three, three children, a daughter in form two. That road was still not done. The same thing we talked about the Chitungiza railway line in the 90s. And we ask, even ask them to say, why don't they go into that boot system, build, build in the operating transfer? And because these guys, you know, they were corrupted by money. I don't know how I can express it. Because all these projects could not go because there has to be one to get the kickback. Is, is, is that over though? It's not. It's still there. I get the sense it's getting worse. But yes, but what can we do with Zimbabweans? Well, I'm asking. We are the watch you are the politician. What uh, can we do? No, that's your problem. <laughs> it doesn't take a politician to correct this. Do you know the slogan in the war? Mm -hmm. It means you and you. I stand your pro I stand thank you so I much. Thank, thank you Only for Margaret that. can do that. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Margaret, thank you. we must come to an end. Thank you. I could, I could go on. What, what a conversation. What a conversation. Have you read any books, Margaret, that you'd want to, to share with our book-loving audience there? Um, they, are, they are watching you over there. Okay. Any books that you've read, one or two? I, I have one for Masipula Struggle, yes. within my struggle. You know, you used to write a column, yes. and you also used to write a lot about me. And I also read, uh, you know, Zeno's book. Zeno Chikiwai. and and Fei Chung. And I, um, I remember critiquing Fei Chung's book as well. So I don't have the books no, here, but okay. I would that's love to one day and yeah. give you the, some copies. Yeah. But mostly, guess what, these days, maybe because I'm in my 60s, I watch, 
I watch animal <laughs> animals. Yes, that's what I watch. And setting. apart from that, I do follow up on, you know, speeches, presentation made by, you know, politicians, especially women, you know, what, Michelle what, what and do you have for young women wanting to get into politics, given what you've been through? In fact, I mentor young women. I've got a forum. I've got, I've got a forum. What do you say to them? You know, I talk to them mostly about the three C's. Which are? Commitment, courage, and confidence. You have to have the three C's. Once you commit yourself, you'll be able to know what exactly you want. You have a calendar. You have a... You have a um, a, a, a plan of exactly what you want. And what I want to say to women, politics is not it's not about a dream of saying that I wish I could be like Margaret and so forth. You have to show to the people what you can do for them. In fact, you know, we have a problem on the upcoming generation. They just say, I've seen Madame so-so a politician, I want to be a politician too. No, during our days, we were identified, identified by people to say, you can be a better representative. You must be a people person. And I'm saying to the young girls, it's not about what you can do now. Go back and see what you have done for your community that can make you realize your importance for you to be a representative. That's the message. Margaret, I, I suspect I will be calling you back after people have watched this show and they will be putting me under pressure to say you should have it back on again. Margaret, thank you so much. Um, wow. That's all I can say. Wow. Thank you for giving me this opportunity. Oh. Thank you so much. You don't know what you've done to myself for inviting me. Oh, thank you. You know you, have, you know, you have made me a hero. I've always been complaining that uh, why celebrate people's heroship when they are when dead? Gone. Yes. Yeah. But today you've celebrated mine, Trevor. I'm happy. Thank you very oh, much. Just that, just that we had little time, yeah, but thank you for time. that. Allow me to turn over to our audience who are all over the world, who watch us uh, every week. Remember, we are a weekly show. We are out on YouTube at 7 a.m. 7 a.m. Central African time. To ensure that you don't miss out on any of these quality conversations like the one I've just had with Margaret, please click onto the subscribe button. We invite you to subscribe, like, and share, and comment. We read all your comments. We've gone a step further and created podcast link. Just scroll down below this video and click onto the link for your listening pleasure. Until next time, cheers to you all.